Welcome to uh, the Arts Report. I am your host, Ashley Park, and today we have a lot of cool things for you. We're just going to uh, um, just give you a quick review. Um, we have a live interview in studio uh, today, and this is um, from um, Office, uh, excuse me, Opera Mariposa. We have uh, stage director Adam Daross, and he is going to be directing Terrence McNally's Masterclass for um, Opera Mariposa, and welcome to the studio, Adam. Thank you. And Adam, I want to ask a little bit about Opera Mariposa. You guys are doing a major expansion for a theater wing. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so in addition to putting on operas as they have been for the past three years, uh, Mariposa is also branching out now to include uh, musicals and plays mm -hmm. in in the work that they do so that's what the new theater wing is about and i know that uh, jacqueline co and robin edder warren founded opera mariposa in 2012 and now that you guys are doing i guess the plays as you mentioned musicals how did you get kind of together with opera mariposa and decide you, you know what we want to do master class uh well it was their decision mm -hmm. uh, they had programmed the season um before i contacted them but once I saw that Masterclass was what they were doing, I was very interested in directing it. I'd seen it before, and it's a fantastic play. So that's how I got involved. With Masterclass, um, in, in your direction of it, I know that the story is about this opera diva, and then she's supposed to teach people kind of lessons, but then about singing, and then it goes into a different direction altogether. Yeah, that's right. So it's about Maria Callas, who is a real-life opera singer, mm -hmm. and it's loosely based around a series of master classes that she actually carried out at the Juilliard School in 1971 and 1972. So McNally, who's a big fan of Maria Callas, uh, takes that as the, as the basis, and then uh, he uses her experience teaching the students to then go back in her life and bring up all these memories of what she had done in the past mm -hmm. and the different uh, struggles and triumphs that she has had. Speaking of struggles and triumphs, what were, were there any challenges in, um, in actually bringing Masterclass on for Opera Mariposa? Was this their first kind of musical that they're doing? 
yeah, I mean, it's the first time that a lot of us had had put on a play, and so there were definitely some surprises along the way um, because uh, I come from an opera background. Robin oh, and Jacqueline great. are also from an opera background, so mm-hmm. this is my first play as well. Um, and we discovered that the process is quite different um, <laughs> than putting on a play, uh, opera or a musical. What, what did you learn from this, ex- this experience, it being your first one? Uh, well, I had the opportunity to work with a, a great cast, mm-hmm. um, and our, our lead playing Callas, Laura DiCicco, is a, a professional actor, so she was able to, to guide us through a lot of the process and, and tell us what needed to be done um, that might be a little bit different from what we were used to, and together we came up with something really fantastic, I think. And you got, and it, it actually started, it was, this was on uh, February 19th, it goes until the 28th at the Marple United Church, uh, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 and Sundays at 2 p.m. In bringing it to Marple United Church, was there any kind of, um, were, were there any sort of, I guess, um, new experiences that you kind of felt working in that kind of community space? Uh, well, I'm used to working in sort of smaller spaces. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of residence musicals here on campus when I was a student here. Um, and so it's kind of similar to that in the way that it's not, I mean, the church is, uh, does also have some features of a uh, performance venue, but it isn't, it isn't a theater. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. so it was, you know, we had to bring in some lights, we had to bring in some speakers, but, uh, yeah, no, it was pretty much, I'm, I'm used to working in that sort of space. So that wasn't, um, too different from what we're used to, but yeah, we have three more shows left this weekend. That's right. And I wanted to know more actually about you and your background. So how did your background actually help you kind of prepare for this role as a director for a masterclass? Right. So I've been training as an opera director for a few years now. Mm-hmm. I did um, a bachelor's and a master's here at UBC. Um, and I've done various programs um, that were directing related. For this piece in particular, it is a play, but... Mm-hmm. It's about an opera singer, and it does feature some singing uh, because she's running a, a, mm-hmm. a, a class in singing. Um, and the music that is has been chosen by McNally to be featured in the play also ties into Maria's life. Yes. So um, that was a really interesting thing for me as someone who would potentially direct these mm-hmm. songs in their operatic context to see those parallels that course, he draws yeah. within the play. And because you have such a strong, you know, kind of background in opera, and I'm guessing you also did opera, opera, operas before too. What yes. was like the main difference between directing an opera and directing a musical play that has a little that has like, influences from opera and does feature opera, but it's still considered a musical? Yeah. So it's it's I don't know. You could argue that it's a musical, but it's really because there is music, but it's really more of a of a straight play. Like there are extended um, monologues and actually most of the text is delivered by the character of Maria Callas. Um, So in directing a play, when you direct an opera, Mm -hmm. the singers already have all the music learned and they arrive on the first day for staging with everything 100% mm-hmm. ready to go, and then you shape it from there. But with a play, it's really more of a, because there isn't that separate oh, musical yeah. element, the lines and the staging develop together through the rehearsal process. So that's a little bit different than, than what I'm used to, um, because we sort of work through the entire piece mm-hmm. together, rather than there being um, sort of extensive preparation of a certain element of it on the part of the actors or singers beforehand. What did you kind of learn more about yourself after going through such a challenge like this? Um, well, I think I learned just never to underestimate, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the task before us. We, uh, we did it in a fairly short time, and mm-hmm. I think it's a very high-quality product, um, but it was still, it was a bit surprising uh, to take on something like this and, and to sort of learn as we went about what challenges would happen since it was our first time instead of uh, knowing of necessarily yeah. all of that before we started. <laughs> it's kind of like more like uncharted territory. Yeah, like, let's sure. try it. Yeah, exactly. What was your favorite part of being part of that production? Well, just to see the final product and mm-hmm. to see how much audiences have been enjoying it has been terrific. 
um, yeah, it's been very warmly received and uh, we're getting good reviews. So it's nice to see it up and running and to see the cast up there having a good time and, and people really t taking something away from the show. And one thing I know about opera uh, Mariposa is that it was actually all founded on um, on basically young people in, in Vancouver and, and people who are interested in the arts and interested in um, creating more of a youth theater. Would you... I guess a youth opera, would, would you still consider that its vision? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in this case, we are using a professional actor, which is r really a good opportunity for all of us to learn mm -hmm. more about the craft and, and to sort of be mentored in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, generally the, the aim of Opera Mariposa is to provide opportunities for emerging artists who have completed some training but are not quite ready for a professional career and need more stage experience um, on their resume. So uh, that continues to be their aim. And, uh, and is that the reason why you contacted them or wanted to work with them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I sort of find myself in that position as well, where mm -hmm. now that I'm finished school, um, looking to see what's next and trying to get in involved uh, in as many productions as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's been really great to get to work with for your audiences, do you actually have a lot of youth in your audiences as well, or is it more of an older, um, an older range of audiences coming to see opera Mariposa? Uh, it really varies. I, I mean, opera and, and theater are not necessarily for for an older crowd. Uh, mm -hmm. We, yeah, we've had a, a wide range of of audience ages so far, and I think that will continue. Um, but definitely, especially if you're using younger singers, then you're going to get a lot of their friends and family oh, yeah, out there course. as well. So, yeah, no, we get a real mix of people out, and that's the goal, I think. That's good, though. It is good to get a lot of people out, especially youth. And I think I wanted to ask a little bit about that. Is um, Why do you think it's actually important for young people to be interested in live theater, live music, opera? Well, I mean, live theater and, li and live performance is really different from from anything else you can experience and mm -hmm. i think that it's important to be exposed to that at a young age so that it becomes part of your life and and it's so that you continue to enjoy it as you grow and you learn more and more from each show as your own life mm -hmm. continues and you have these different experiences you can draw different parallels and some things will resonate with you more strongly than others um, but i think really to be exposed to it at a young age um, definitely allows for a greater appreciation um, as you as you develop as well of course. Um, and especially for opera like some people coming into it in their adult life might find it very foreign at first whereas yeah. if you're exposed to that as a child I think that you know uh, it's something that you'll always want to continue to experience mm -hmm. and Speaking about your experiences, were you kind of more into the arts when you were a kid, or did that come a little more uh, later in life? It was pretty early on for me. Mm -hmm. I remember the Vancouver Symphony came up to my hometown, uh, Dawson Creek, when I was five. Okay. And that was a really a big moment for me. And I got started in opera when I was eight, because uh, we were lucky enough to have a company doing one opera a year up there. Uh, so I got involved in that and then later started doing some musical theater as well. And that's continued ever since. Would you say that local arts venues are important in the developing of, I guess, youth interest? For sure. You really, uh, performing is, it brings out something mm -hmm. in kids and they're able to express themselves in, in a way that they weren't previously able to. And, you know, just to put yourself out there and be exposed in that way um, and try to offer what you have to to other people mm -hmm. is uh, really an important experience I think and uh, yeah it can be quite transformative and also in terms of teamwork and you know having a group of people all working together towards a singular goal and supporting each other through that I think there's so much that can be learned from pursuing the art, performing arts. Speaking about collaboration, can you tell me what it, what it was like to work with Robin Edder Warren? I know that she was one of the managing directors. Yeah, I mean, uh, Robin and Jacqueline and everyone at Mariposa has been very supportive throughout the, the process. And uh, we've all been working together and communicating steadily to make sure that uh, 
we were on the same page and everything was progressing. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I think we're all very happy with what, with the result. So mm-hmm. and that's always good. That is that is always good. And to ask about the expansion happening at Opera Mariposa, is it still is it still in progress right now? Has it already been finished? Well, this is the first show of mm-hmm. the theater wing, and uh, so moving forward, we'll uh, we'll see what they have next. Uh, it could right, be any. Yeah any variety of, of play or musical as mm-hmm. well as their regular opera programming so we'll just have to you, wait and see what like comes down the pipes do you, do you know what's coming up next for us to know um well they have their annual charity fundraiser oh, yes. people like us mm-hmm. which is on may 14th and that's going to be a, a broadway type review Ooh, okay. yeah so that should be really cool and it is a charity uh, fundraiser where the proceeds will be going to MECFS, which is something that they donate to on an annual basis. What is MECFS for our listeners who don't know? Yeah, so it's um, it's a chronic type of illness which mm-hmm. can have a variety of symptoms, um, ranging from fairly mild to quite debilitating at times. Mm-hmm. And um, two of the administration of Opera Mariposa are suffering from this illness, so it's been in their mandate to give back. Mm-hmm. Um, to the community and so that also attracts some singers that are suffering from the same condition yes. and also many volunteers so it's been a great rallying force in that that's community yeah, as well wonderful. as they've been able to donate over $30,000 to date that's, to the cause. That's so. amazing wow that's, that's really great and uh, speaking about fundraising I know that you guys actually met uh, you guys actually met like 20% of your fundraising campaign on Indiegogo very quickly, and it was really great to see so much support for Opera Mariposa, and we'll continue to support you guys again. Again, uh, oh no. Um, anyways, again, uh, thank you so much for being on air, and um, this is again um, Adam DeRoss. You are the stage director for Terrence McNally's Masterclass, which will be on uh, February 19th to 28th, so there's a weekend left at the Marple United Church, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 and Sundays at 2 p.m. Again, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you very much. All right. And now what we are going to do, we're going to play a few uh, short messages and then get back to you with some great Arts Report content. Again, this is Ashley Park on the Arts Report 101.9 FM and on unceded Musqueam territory. The most beautiful thing about my girl is the stillness. I, I must, must have, have silence for all my passages. And it must have this been noise, however, is a draw of silence. I did not hear it at all as I was on the road, although it must have set fresh female. Can my energy ever so much speak, audible only to the ear of the householder? It seems to me that the beast has ever even heard me. It simply cannot have heard me, for all that time I kept very quiet that I dug the experimental trenches. The Burrow, hosted by Andy Resto. Mondays from 3 to 4 p.m. Alternative music, noise things, artist interviews, honest discussions, levity. Because music doesn't need to be fun. On CITR 101.9 FM and CITR.ca. Tune in Sundays from 9 till 10 p.m. for bootlegs and b-sides with your host, Doran, for the finest in soul, dubstep, ghetto funk, and electro. Let's listen in as one poor soul tries to find something good to enjoy on the radio. Let's see here, uh... Oh. Everybody dance, dance. What you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Oh. Everybody. God, this is awful. Well, I climbed up the mountain, climbed back down again for you. I climbed up the mountain again for you, and then I climbed back down, climbed up. Oh. Isn't there 
Anything? 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 Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really topping the charts, pick up a copy of Discorder magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single, Everybody Dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? Fun Drive 2016 has started online. The donation page has officially gone live and it's waiting for you. Head on over to citr.ca slash donate to help us reach our goal of $40,000 to continue growing our local arts and music scenes in our diverse cultures. By donating, you'll receive awesome CITR prizes like notebooks, swag bags, LPs, and on-air shout-outs. It's all starting now. Ocean. Excerpt from The Reinventing Wheel, spoken by author, Vancouver poet, Wade Compton. Celebrate Black History Month with CITR 101.9 FM as we host content exploring black history in Vancouver and beyond. Tune in this February and check out citr.ca for regular updates on the scheduling of our Black History Month programming. Hey there, Charles. I'm looking for something fun to do on campus. By George, you haven't heard about the UBC Hans Stroke Foundation? Uh, not exactly. Well, we raise awareness for Hans Stroke initiatives, cardiovascular research, and we like to promote health and wellness within our community. Health and wellness, you say? Do you have anything big planned soon? By golly, we do. We've got a gala coming up soon. It's called Heart to Heart, and it's our biggest event of the year. That sounds pretty cool. Tell me more about it. Well, Chris, Heart to Heart is an amazing formal networking event where you'll be able to meet great people who are passionate towards heart and stroke initiatives. It will take place on the 28th of February from 5 to 10 p.m. Check out our website at ubchsf.com for more details. Great. I'll definitely be there. Ever had a hankering to ski the world-famous slopes of Whistler? Boy, do we have great news for you. Escape the city in one of Zipcar's many mountain-ready vehicles. Plus, get $30 back in free driving credit when you tweet a selfie on the slopes at Zipcar Vancouver. Zipcar. Wheels when you want them. This is Jack Mercer from Jack Mercer and the Whiskey Bandits. You're listening to CITR 101.9. Well-known pimp. And welcome back to the Arts Report, everybody. My name is Ashley Park, and I'm joined by uh, theater correspondent. Newly minted theater correspondent, Jake Clark. Hello, newly minted theater correspondent, Jake Clark. So what are you going to see upcoming in Vancouver? I'm going to see Pride and Prejudice. It's uh, it's an interesting show because, you know, I, 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 I think I've seen Pride and Prejudice before mm-hmm. in London, but it was a very different show because it was a small show at the Grand Theatre. I, rem- I remember this because was, I, w- I was young. I was, I was a lot younger, and I, I do not recall. Somebody, it was the guy who played Darcy was this very tall guy, but he was so thin. Like, he's one of those guys, you turn to the side, and it's like he'd disappear. That was what I re- remembered. He was very tall and angular. And there were... There was that to it. So I, I'm interested in seeing uh, which rendition it is now. And I actually I actually don't re- recall where I'm going to see it. But I'll be able to tell you about it ne- when I'm on next week as well. I'll definitely be able to uh, let you know how it was. And where exactly is Pride and Prejudice kind of uh, being held? It's um, I don't actually recall right now. But uh, I'm, I will find that out as soon as I humanly can. And I... Uh, I <clears throat> I, I believe it's somewhere in downtown. I'm not sure. I want to say at the at the Culch Historic Theater, but that's no, that's uh. No, that's like that's like East 
it's not really East Fish, but it's Main Street. It's no, Main Street. No, that was uh, that that was that was the Rivals last time, uh, which is a, a play that reminds me of it, in which I actually still I still can't uh, I can't say anything bad about. Like the Rivals was just such a fantastic play. And uh, have you seen any version of Pride and Prejudice, or have you read it? Yes, I have. I actually saw the UBC one that was that was here uh, a few um, years back, and. Actually, that's really funny that you mentioned Pride and Prejudice because I actually have a director kind of friend who is working on a Pride and Prejudice, and I think it might be the same one that you're mentioning right now. Really? Do you know where that yeah. one's held? Because that one might jog my memory a little bit. That one, um, I think it's held at the um, – it, it, it's at the, the, the Broadway one. It's by Arts Club, I think. Is that's that, it. That's the one. Right? I told it's you, Arts right? Club, yeah. I knew it. I knew it was the one by Arts Club. Yeah, it's the one by Arts Club. So I'm actually really excited that you're going to go see it. And – Please let us know what it's like when you return. Have they given you any clues as to how they're presenting the play this time around? I saw a little bit of it, but it's only kind of promotional stuff because, you know, you, you got to keep it under wraps until... No spoilers, please. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we'll be looking forward to that two weeks from now, probably, because next week, as I think you might know, and I think everyone else might know, it is the CITR 101.9 FM and Discorder Magazine. Fun Drive. Fun Drive to right, 2016. Yeah. That's right. Growing Our Cultures. It actually starts tomorrow, February 25th, until March 4th, for those who are uh, listening. Uh, again, it's very important that Fun Drive is a uh, yearly part of CATR's life. Like, why donate to Fun Drive? Well, because every day, CATR actually sends up new members, so students from UBC or people from the local community. And we actually teach them about how to use microphones, how to edit audio, and write about music and cover topics vital to our community, such as this one, which is the arts, another one, which is about maybe queer collective, another one, which is about indigenous rights. Very important. To be fair, the using the microphone thing is just, you know, talk into it, so that might be a more simple <laughs> lesson than you think. I don't know. Some people can't really talk on microphone, you know? Yeah, I actually do know. Like, it's, it's strange, but I, I, I teach their own. Yeah. Teach their own. Then that's why we, if you want to learn how to get better at it, we actually teach you here at CATR. And it's, a, again, a free kind of support kind of place for you to learn how to do, you know, radio, how to do podcasting, all that kind of really cool mm -hmm. audio sort of stuff. You get all the tips and tricks. You know, they get you to work on your voice. I used to sound like Woody Allen, but now I have this robust radio voice. I'm sure we all love. I'm still working on mine. No, that sounds really bad. I don't know why I did that. Anyways. Oh, that's... <laughs> Anyways, not only are we training authentic media producers, uh, we're also growing kind of future leaders. Uh, by supporting the 2016 Fund Drive, people, uh, listeners, sponsors, anyone, will be supporting training and development opportunities for student members and the CITR greater community. You know, every year we actually help um, yeah, well, all these people out, and all we ask in, in kind of like back is please help us fundraise. We want our goal this our, year is our much loved advertising head is now uh, is now working for a record company, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yes, she is. That's yeah. right. Again, uh, CATR is such a really great place for people who are really interested in this kind of industry to get experience and get like a head start, really. And it's again free for student youths. Well, with membership, it's ten dollars, but Everything else after membership is free for student use. It's a good deal. It's a, it, I'd yeah. say it's a great deal. I didn't want to like leave out that part in the fine print for you guys to be like, what? Ashley, you lied to me. No, 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 no. It, it is membership is ten dollars, but again, such great benefits await you. To be fair, it's cab fare, not a kidney. <laughs> That's right. And our goal this year is to raise forty thousand um, dollars. Again, just to support the station, and it's basically kind of like a donation. There's some really, really great kind of swag for how much you uh, donate. If you give about like 30 bucks, you get a Friends of CATR card, which this card, people just think, oh, a card, that's really nice. I'd like to get a card. But the Friends of CATR card uh, is this really special kind of exclusive membership mm -hmm. to other places that are Again, friends of us. So we can, they can get special discounts and all that kind of good stuff. So it's a friends with benefits arrangement. I guess so. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could knew how to do the audio. So I can go ding, but I or but I couldn't. Ding. Yeah, there you yeah, go. There you go. I can oh, try. There you go. Thank you though. Uh, again, sixty bucks. You get the uh, friends with CRTR card and a CRTR growler. Then you get a notebook, and it keeps on going up. And again, all donors will be thanked on CATR.ca and the April issue of Discorder Magazine. 
And if you are interested, there is also a really cool fun drive finale. We have a uh, wrap-up party with local music and a silent auction, and it celebrates contributions of our generous donors and the hard work of our volunteers. And if you're wondering what we're doing next week, we can't uh, spoil too much, but there will be some really cool actual kind of prizes to be uh, to be won when you donate to us next week, and I will tell us more about that. That is the fun drive for next week. And that's a, coming up here locally at CITR. Yep, I will be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one more kind of thing. Let's talk a little about, I guess, um, a little about culture. Did you know that today is uh, Wear Pink Day? Yes, it is for anti-bullying. That's right. I um, I am wearing pink right now. I got about the closest as I can get to pink. You know, it's got it's, it's red checks. I actually do have a salmon colored shirt at home, but there are no mm-hmm. buttons on it. Anyway, I I, I don't want to <laughs> get into that story. Why? Well, you know, you know how the Hulk. Is, you know, when his, he always keeps his pants yeah. uh, intact. That doesn't really go uh, uh, in, in real life. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think I can get any further into that without causing Oh, that's trouble. okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then. Well, uh, we'll let listeners kind of imagine that for a little bit. But, yeah, today is, again, uh, no bullying. <laughs> and I think it's always really great to start doing that starting in um, primary school, to be honest. Uh, especially with, you know, pink and, like, gendering of clothing. Like, come on now, it's just a color. But that's what, you know, brings all this kind of, you know, divisiveness and prejudice. And I think that by starting early, by supporting one another, um, we can really have a generation where bullying can stop, to be honest. Or am I being too idealistic? Uh Possibly, I, I I don't know. I'm a cynical guy at heart, so there's that. But that that said, I do find cynicism a repugnant quality. So I guess I hate myself. But oh. that, that's uh, it's it's something I think about a lot because I've I was like I I've only seen that up close like once in my mm-hmm. life, and it, it's unpleasant. I have I have no idea what it's like to go through that day to day. And it's it's one of those things that every every time I think about it, it's something that reminds me of how lucky I am about that, you know. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people go through this. For a lot of people, high school and and other other forms of their schooling are hell because they they get that terrible experience. And I think that 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 that, that that's unfortunate. Because I, I remember I look back, I've I've fond memories of high school. I weren't like wasn't the best time around. It was it was like it was I was average. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't dread going to school every day. And I know that there are some people do. Some people I know did. And that's it's 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 a perturbing thing that that's something you do. Part of your routine is that feeling of dread. Mm-hmm. And if if this is a, can count for man that feeling for even one person, you know that that's heartening to me. I guess I, I think that's like a very poignant point that you mentioned that you know sometimes we have people who are actually not victims or not the perpetrators but they are the people in between and yeah. to really kind of what you're doing sympathize with people in that situation I think that's what we need to, we need to start doing more even if you're not directly affected um, we have to learn how to kind of reach out and basically protect the ones that are getting these unjust treatments. And I think I think a part of it is to do your to do your duty for the people you know you know you know the people who if you if you have friends going through a tough time you know that, that that's part of friendship is helping each other is helping each other out and mm-hmm. I, I may not be one to talk but I I I I I think that that's probably very much a part of helping people through experiences like this and there's some but there are some people who don't who who have no contact and that. To me, I, I don't know. To me, anyway, that's that's kind of frightening because I, I, I'm an extrovert. That's probably why I'm on this show. <laughs> so I'm I'm a person who, who thinks a lot about contact, and this is the, the way I see it. Is that uh, some people just they get very isolated, and that's part of I think one thing that makes people targets is because they have nobody to help them, or they or they uh, conversely don't want anybody to help them. That's true, and. I don't really know about I don't, I don't really know about the part where like they don't want people to help them, but maybe they think that no one has cared, so why should I bother going to another person? If it feels like that, well, I they th- don't want to trouble people. Yeah, they don't want to trouble people. But I think that um, one thing that's great about UBC is there's a lot of places where you can go to people and you can find you know people to talk to. Speakeasy being one of them. It is called Speakeasy for a reason. You can they serve illegal alcohol. No, you can speak easy. 
Well, that's also true, though. Well, they, while they serve you illegal alcohol, but is it? <laughs> No. Like I tell you, don't I tell you, don't really don't recommend bathtub gin. I mean, it's it's, it's like playing Russian roulette with blindness. But the, mm-hmm. all, all jokes aside, that's a great program, and that's in all honesty, that was one thing I came to UBC. I was like, oh, that's a good thing. I, I like the concept of that, mm-hmm. and that's that's something to it. But you know, this has been an, a very strange year for for UBC. I mean, including the the flag burning incident that yeah, occurred. and I really did like the fact that the greater community came together to find out what happened, how can we prevent it, and is there more opportunities for us to talk about this and educate people and make sure that we can find ways for people to understand one another. Did we figure out did, – was it, was it figured out who uh, did this? Yeah, or? they, they – they, uh, okay. uh, there's reports that they caught the guy who did it, which is, mm. which is great. Um, okay. Hopefully he sees the error of his ways and understands – why that is not a cool thing to do at all. Uh, no way. Uh, no how. I, I use cool as like a very like a placement word, but that was like a it's, deep act. It's, Don't it's, do it. It was, it, was, it was a repulsive act. It, it was, was very repugnant. That was, that was something. I, but you know what they did? There's the Kern on the on Main Mall. Mm-hmm. And I passed that every morning. And what they did is they painted it uh, the rainbow colors and it's, it's, oh. it's for, for solidarity. And the Kern yeah. gets painted on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And there's a committee, in fact, to keep it uh the, uh, the white, I think. I think it's just flat white yes. to start with. But that's that paint's been left up. It hasn't been painted over, and the paint hasn't been removed. Oh, that's really I believe because nice uh, it's since I've been back, yeah. uh, and that, that I think it'll remain up for the week. Which, and I see all these uh, these these clubs. The bike co-op is one. The norm is another, mm-hmm. I believe. And even here at CITR, they have these signs. We stand with uh, with, with the pride, and we stand beside with that that community we don't we this is there's a bunch of people saying no this is not cool mm-hmm. well and and we we won't stand for it that to me is commendable i think that's what i really like about again ubc community is the fact that if we see somebody you know kind of like uh, somebody or some group just being kind of like pushed down or something like that and it's really just unfair like people will kind of rise up to stand with them and again as you mentioned solidarity and sympathy and I, that's what I really love about the greater UBC community and that's what I really like about uh, Pink Shirt Day because you get to really show people like I know maybe we've never talked but I am here and I am willing to put myself out there in public to let you know that I am with you. Well, in this case, it's a small sign. It's not a radical declaration, of really. Of course, yeah, of course. Because we don't really live in a point where it's where homophobia is okay, or at least if we are, then I'm really missing something. Because this is, this is something that you expect. This is a sentiment if people don't express it, you mm-hmm. assume they they would hold that out of basic human courtesy. Yeah, yeah. Which is that, that I, I, I think that assumption is decent, and I think that that is... It's good, but then there's these incidents like the flag burning, and then those are some things that make you think, "Good Lord!" Like it's just, like, why, why, what, what, the, what the? It was, it's, 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 it's an enraging incident because it's that, it's that much of a. I know discourtesy is not a a word that would probably sum it up in anything resembling what it actually means or how drastically terrible that is, but like, like how, but it's, it's, it's what I, it's what I think of first and foremost because. I'm a, I'm a Ponzi Washbish guy, right? And <laughs> uh-huh. that's um that that's it's just extremely unokay. There's no context wherein that uh, that kind of thing is good, and that's uh, this is something I've given a lot of thought to recently. No, it, and it's for, good to give a lot of thought to it, and I think that if there is anything that has to be you know good that came out of that incident, again, people uh, realizing just how immoral that act is. And people understanding, like, hey, that was not cool. Maybe they've never really participated in Pride. Maybe, you know, they're too busy to get political. But the overwhelming support for uh, for people of you know, LGBTQ community here in UBC and even greater, it was really great to see that the, um, the, the community of UBC was – May, like majorly supportive in making sure that you know there was just kind of a, 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 like justice being served, I guess. And, yeah, that, that, uh, was, that was good. That was mm-hmm. actually that was a very timely reaction. Could mm-hmm. could start a pattern of behavior there. Oh, it just turned off again. This always happens. Okay. Um, and that was a that's a very timely reaction. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I would say about it. That's well organized. I would agree. And. Uh, 
just so you guys know, yes. for everyone who has been listening to us so far, we have a really cool uh, ticket giveaway. I don't know if you heard. Ooh, a ticket giveaway. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but have you heard of the Vancouver International Dance Festival? Yes. Yes. And the vid. The vidva. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot you forgot the F. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. That's okay. I'm in arts. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. It's the Vancouver International Dance Festival, and if you guys don't know, I actually went to one of the shows last year. Very, I don't know how to um, explain it. The show that I've seen was in, in, interpretive. El- it was interpretive. That's right, but it was also very electrifying. I have limber. To- yes, they were limber, but. <laughs> Sorry, I did. That's okay. It. I got it. They're very flexible, too, if you're going to say flexible, too. Well, as long as you put the words in my mouth, yeah. All right, all right. Anyways, um, for me, I have to admit that I do not come from a dance background, nor do I have extensive knowledge of dance. So when I saw it, I was like, I felt kind of stupid. I was like, I don't get it. Like, am I supposed to not get it? Is it because I don't know all these things? But, um... What I did is I went with a friend, and she knows a little more about uh, dance than I do. And then she says, it's totally fine if you don't get it. Just take in the physicality of the dancers. The, the sensu- limberness. The sensuality of, yes. the, of the face and the music and how these dancers' bodies move with it. And um, then you're going to start enjoying yourself a lot more. And that's what I did. And I came to really understand that, um, you know, the types of dances you see that's kind of like on tv like the you know the ones with the the structure and like almost musical theater like you know like spinning and yeah yeah the elaborate choreography elaborate choreography is there music in this show or is it uh i'm I'm assuming there's music to this um with with the ticket that we're going to give away i'm pretty sure there there is going to be uh music but it's always very different all these shows are uh actually quite different um they have all these like different people coming in from all over the world presenting their dance company and their dance kind of uh, hmm. performance in Vancouver at, at different venues. Okay. It's like a festival. Now, I guess the question I want to ask is that is it uh, it's a dance show and to me anyway cuz I, I don't I don't come from a dance background either. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I see a, a dance piece cuz I've seen videos of dance pieces and I've seen a lot of musical theater in my time, I always see the dance as being an extension of the of the music therein. Um, to to an extent, like I wouldn't see the dances precluding the music, which I think is that the right mindset to go into this show with, or is it because uh, if this is a dance show, if this is a dance troupe who decides to put on a show, I'd assume the troupe uh, gets the song, gets the the music, and then works on that. They don't have the music given to them. Um, I I I don't particularly know. I I'm pretty sure they had their own music choreographer that they all kind of curated and then bring okay. it over. And uh, the ones that, that we're going to give away the tickets to is for uh, Compagnie Virginie Brunel. I hope I said that correctly with my four years of uh, secondary school uh, French. But oui. yeah, it is on March 3rd to the 5th at 8 p.m. The Roundhouse Performance Center for the Vancouver International Dance Festival. They are local Canadian. They are from, uh, well, local as Quebec can be local. <laughs> mm-hmm. Canadian. And uh, they are bringing Foutrement, which explores infidelity as a theme, actually. Men and women at the mercy of temptation and primal instincts. So the dancers, they have a man and two women. They're in love. They're oh. ripped apart. They're wounded. They're betrayed. They move to racked bodies, sagging under the weight of love's disillusionment oh. is what they are going to be bringing forth on stage. And if This is going to be extremely French. This, what is that supposed to mean? Exactly what it is. It's, it's a... <laughs> Anyways, if you are interested in maybe getting uh, tickets to the show, while we go into a few more messages, the number is 604-822-8648. Again, 604-822-8648. Call us now, and hopefully you'll be able to win these tickets to the Vancouver International Dance Festival for Compagnie Virginie Brunel's the password is Black Swan. The password is Black Swan. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you again. You're listening to CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded masculine territory in Vancouver. This is The Arts Report with Ashley Park and Jake Clark. All right.
there. This ad caught your attention. It also caught the attention of the coolest people from Squamish to Bellingham. Music fans, students, and members of various cultural communities. If you want your ad to do the same, advertise with CITR and Discorder. If you've got a rad new ad or just something you want to share, whether in print, on air, or online, promote your wares, services, or events with us. Contact us at advertising at citr.ca or call 604-822-4342. Visit citr.ca for rates, information, and packages. This is the end of our ad, and if you're still here, we must be doing something right. Listen up, dears. The UBC Players Club is turning 100. This isn't your GMAS celebration. We're the oldest club on campus, and we think it's time to shake things up a little with two amazing shows. YOLO! You can find all the details on the Google or via the interweb at ubcplayersclub.com. Respect your elders and come out and help us bring in a new century of amazing theatre. Here in Vancouver, we celebrate our diversity and culture, and CITR is making FunDrive all about it. Our goal this year is to raise funds to help grow more writers, broadcasters, and media producers, increasing the unique voices that grace our airwaves. Whether it's about specific cultural communities, musical genres, or alternative news, we want to hear it. Be a part of CITR's community. Donate, get cool swag, and party with us. The telethon goes live on February 25th, but the online donation page is up now. Go to citr.ca slash donate. Welcome back to the Arts Report. I am your host, Ashley Park, and I'm with... Jake Clark. All right. So um, while this kind of uh, day brings to a close, I do want to again mention one more time that if you are interested in the Vancouver International Dance Festival tickets, all you have to do is call us at 604-822-8648 to win them it is a very exciting show that will be coming to vancouver and again i've seen it uh it is really not what you experience from just a regular dance show it really emotionally touches you in a way that you're like whoa what just happened but at the same time it's very kind of um visceral so that you see you see the kind of like the spectacularness of the dance and you're like like burlesque kind of little different from burlesque. Oh. There might be a burlesque show if, you know, people are interested. They do have to just check out Vancouver International Dance Festival. It's very easy, vidf.ca. I do recommend giving it a look. It uh, starts very, very soon, and they will be starting a lot of shows, especially in um, March. And calling us right now would also kind of help you get ready for next week's show, which is the fun drive. I know I keep mentioning it, but it's just so fun to do so. It is, it is fun, and it's driving, so it's a fun drive. That's sort right. of. I'm not sure if there's any driving in here. This is a radio studio, but maybe if we get, like, a go-kart or something. I'm going, wee! I'm rambling. But that's, like, yeah, and we will, of course, we will we'll eulogize on the, the merits of CITR, which, all things considered, this is a great experience. And, you know, I, we, we, we could... We could really use the help, frankly. Um, and then, like, I guess, so now, uh, one thing occurred to me during the commercial break about Vancouver International Dance Festival. How many shows are being put on in this thing, like, uh, like approximately? Um, approximately, I know that they have multiple venues. So if you can't make it to, you know, one, like, place, you're like, oh, I can't go that far. There's a lot of local areas, and there's also um, some, some free shows that they do do, which are maybe, I think, during noontime. Um, I know that last year they had about a wonderful arrangement of um, dance companies coming in. I think they had about like roughly like 15-ish. They have a lot of people coming in and again from all over the world and even some local in Vancouver and some from Canada as well. And if people remember from uh, a few few shows back, we actually did talk to the VIDF um, the the VIDF um, directors and uh, they talked a little more about it too and we strongly recommend coming to see these shows especially if you can support the ones that are 
friends of PITR. And um, that was um, uh, Kokoro. That was the dance company, Kokoro. Kokoro? Kokoro. Oh, yeah. no, no, that's no. Kokomo. That's wrong song. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, bar- the bass guy on the Beach Boys name was actually Mike Love. Really? Yep. Mike Love. Like, that's that, that's that's something I just thought of. So, no, no, no unrelated, though. That's okay. That's okay if it's a little unrelated. Um, if by any chance we do not get a call, what you can do is you can always email us at arts at catr.ca and uh, let us know if you are interested in the tickets. The password is, Jake? Black Swan. The password is Black Swan. So all you have to do is let us know if you are interested, tell us the password, and the first people to do so will get these tickets to the show. And next week, I know I keep talking about Fun Drive, but next week I strongly recommend for people to tune in. What we're going to do is we're going to have a lot of different guests. We have a really, really cool um, set of interviews lined up as well as um, people mm-hmm. for Fun Drive who will mm-hmm. be coming in just for Fun Drive. So all your favorite members of the Arts Report, myself, Christine, hopefully, Jake. Yep, I, I may or may not. My freestyle rap was shot down, wasn't it? I don't know. Could you? Could you? Do you want to share your freestyle rap on air? Well, let me see. Let me see. New kids on the block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. Wait, that's Summer Girls by LFO. That's a terrible song. That is a terrible song, mostly because I do love Chinese food. Like I, I know it doesn't even make me sick. Like it's just that was just random lyrics. Okay, never, never mind. Mm-hmm. Don't look up that song. That's like a free associated mishmash of stuff. I, I'm okay. I'm afraid to freestyle now. I don't know what I'll turn up next. Like what am I going to start doing next? Start seeing Afternoon Delight. Gonna find my ah. It happens. It keeps. It's like Anchorman. But the, like, let me think. Let me think. Hold on. Like, there's, there's, there's many, many people who probably should not freestyle, and I'm probably one of them. Like, you know, you know how Eminem is clever and funny about weird things? Uh-huh. Okay, let's call them weird things. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 my mind doesn't work that quickly. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. And um, what we're going to do is I'm just going to let people know about our upcoming program. It is the guys from Sharing Science, which I'm really happy to uh Yes, to they're to about. back, baby. Yeah, Sharing Science is back, and they have a very interesting uh, show called uh, Into the Earth, which will be playing after the end of our show. It is actually coming to the end, so we're going to just say goodbye. This is the end, my only friend. But only for you know, I shouldn't freestyle. Today. I probably shouldn't sing either. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, it's only only end for a little while. That's okay. We it, will be back. Yeah, it's only for a little while, and <laughs> we will be back again uh, next week. Um, again, 5 p.m. on Wednesdays, it is the Arts Report. You are listening to CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Muscogee Territory in Vancouver. I'm your host, Ashley Park. And I'm Jake Clark. And thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Cheers, and, folks. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you again next week. Hello and good evening. You're listening to UBC Sharing Science Radio, broadcasting from CITR 101.9 FM on unceded Musqueam territory at the University of British Columbia. Sharing Science Radio is here to bring you a weekly dose of science news, discussion, interviews, and local events. I'm your host, Rohit Singla, and tonight with me are Sam Livingston and Tanya Rusi. By now, we've all seen those amazing photos of Pluto and that beautiful service that we all, you know, did not know about before. But really, what do you know about your own planet Earth? I mean, we're all living on a beautiful blue marble floating out there in space, but how much about it do you really know? So tonight, we're going into the Earth um, with a few different segments talking about the electromagnetic radiation, the electromagnetic field, the Earth's core, and even some dinosaur topics here. How's about we get started with that, though? Um, Sam, do you want to start us off? You got it, Rohit. The outer core of the Earth is proposed to be a molten mess of iron that is of high temperature, high pressure, and high density. 
Since it is believed to be liquid, these heavy metals flow within the outer core because of a difference in heat between the boundaries of the inner core, which is 6,000 degrees Celsius, and the mantle, which is 3,800 degrees Celsius. This flow is considered to be the source of Earth's magnetic field, which results in the magnetic north and south poles on Earth. For our everyday lives, humans are often unconcerned about the magnetic field of Earth, besides our seldom use of a compass for reorienting ourselves on a hike. For geologists and scientists studying the formation of planetary bodies in our early universe, the geomagnetic field has much more to offer us. One observation by geologists that provided us evidence that a magnetic field is present on Earth is the orientation of polar compounds, meaning tiny molecules that also have, that have a positive and negative end like we see on magnets, aligning themselves in the fossil record in a uniform direction. However, a wrench was thrown into this theory in the early 1900s when lava flows in Japan, observed by Motonori Matuyama, appeared to have polar compounds oriented in the opposite direction than we would expect with the current state of Earth's magnetic field. This was the first strong evidence of geomagnetic reversals, where the North and South Poles switch their positions on Earth. Scientists are now aware that this has happened with a certain amount of regularity. Reversals tend to occur once every 100,000 100, to 1 million years, with the last one having happened nearly 800,000 years ago. That means that another geomagnetic reversal is in the pipeline for Earth, and though it is not an event that happens overnight, usually taking about 5,000 years, shorter reversal times have occurred, which a study published in October of 2014 found that the most recent full reversal happened in 100 years. During the transition period of a reversal, compasses would, no, would not be reliable, but scientists warn of much greater consequences to our lives if we were to experience such a reversal period. That is, if humans are still around by that point. Stay tuned to hear more about why magnetic fields are so important to our daily lives. All right. Thanks, Sam. What about you, Tanya? What do you have? Well, Rohit, in the distant past, the Earth was flat, or so it seemed. People around the world, from Europe to China and ancient America, envisioned our world in all sorts of peculiar flat geometries. But this concept did not prevail for as long as you may think. In the 6th century BC, Pythagoras wrote about a spherical Earth. Three centuries later, Erastothenes was able to calculate the circumference of the Earth with incredible accuracy. He was only a few percent off of the actual number. By the 1st century AD, Ptolemy compiled the geographical knowledge of the time and wrote the definitive book of the time, simply titled Geography. The book was such a standard reference that Columbus himself owned a copy. Since we have considered the Earth as a sphere, we have wondered what it was made of. The inside of the Earth was thought of as fiery, frozen, or even hollow. In the 19th century, explorers thought they might find portals at the North Pole which could lead to the empty core. It wasn't until the 1930s that we had a good idea of what was below the Earth's crust, and that was thanks in part to a progressive school and schoolmistress in Denmark. Inge Lehmann was born in Denmark in 1888. She went to a progressive school where girls were treated exactly like boys and where class did not matter. It is going to this school that potentially led this scientist to believe and feel like she could be a scientist in a time where women were not considered appropriate for science. The school is run by Hannah Adler, an aunt of Niels Bohr. In the absence of prejudice, Lehman was able to flourish as a young intellectual, and she went on to study mathematics at Copenhagen University and then at Newham College in Cambridge. Her inevitable counters with prejudice after leaving the progressive school hardly slowed her down. She became an assistant to a geodesist professor in 1925. She set up seismograph stations in several locations and taught herself seismology in her spare time. At the time, scientists believed the core of the Earth was liquid. Earthquakes were the primary tool scientists used to study the core, watching how waves from earthquakes moved through the Earth and bounced around. Lehman used the data from her stations, carefully recorded and organized on cardboard cards in cardboard oatmeal boxes to show that this theory wasn't right. By meticulously analyzing seismograph data, in particular the transmission of P waves through the Earth, she showed that the inner core was solid, in essence discovering the core of the Earth. Her article on the result was simply titled P prime and is a classic in the literature today. All right, so Tanya's got P woman. Sam's got broken compasses, and I've got, you know, something cool. Um, I've got dinosaurs, guys. So, we've all heard about dinosaurs. There are these creatures that ruled the planet Earth millions of years ago in the Mesozoic era. 
They ran for nearly 200 million years. That's more time it takes than for me to write an exam. Um, where they ate, slept, and lived pretty much like any other wild animal that we know of today. But that's just it. How do we even know that they existed? Neither you, nor I, or any human being alive today was alive back then, in the Mesozoic era. No human could observe or study these animals directly. Or a lot of other creatures, actually. There are millions of species that don't live today that we know about now. In fact, 